I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome and welcome and welcome in episode 66 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football coming at you with another great episode. I am your humble host as always, Evan Brown. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvanLution if you so wish. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates or you can drop an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. There are many ways to get in touch if you have any questions or comments about the show or any of the content therein. Guys, hopefully you've been enjoying this RB recap with special guest Jeff Bell at For Whom J Bell Tools on Twitter. Give him a follow. He is the Dynasty lead over at Football Guys, and he's also co-host of the Devi Royale. Great podcast you should check out. But we have been talking through some running backs now that we have all the landing spots, all the draft capital in the books. We've covered off several of the big hitters, and we are diving into day three because there are some gems to talk about. So buckle up and let's get to it. The main event. Fight! We're going to move in then. So we've covered off everybody that went in day two. Um, we kind of give you a bit of an insight there and what we think about them, where we would take them, what we like, what we don't like about them. We're going to hit on the day three. Now, I mean, Day three wide receivers, people really don't like for fantasy, and I understand the hit rates and all that sort of stuff. But day three for running backs isn't as bad, in my opinion, especially these last couple of years. Running backs tend to be pushed a little bit further down the board. So I'm not as put off um, by somebody if they go in the fourth or fifth round necessarily, depending on the circumstances and things like that. But we'll have a look at it. We'll dive into it. We'll dive into it. We'll see what we think here with, with Jeff Bell at For Whom J Bell Tools. Make sure and get that follow in there. Um, so, first and foremost, we had a dude who I think really hit the jackpot here. He got one of the best landing spots in the draft. He is Damian Pierce. He landed in the fourth round, really early in the fourth round, so almost the third round pick. Pick 107. He goes to the Houston Texans, who literally have, I believe Jeff did a little bit of running for them last year. I was called up, but I was too busy. They have Rex Burkhead um, and the shell of Marlon Mack. So he's got a pretty, pretty open, um, pretty open runway here to some playing time. What are your thoughts on Damian Pierce, and especially with his landing spot there for the Texans? I mean, it was a great landing spot. Um, I think that. I'm very curious about Rex Burkhead because I, I kind of think they like Rex Burkhead. And when you've got a young quarterback in there, when Davis Mills, I think that you probably want to defer the passing down work to a guy like Rex Burkhead, who he played well last year. And I think that, I don't know, it's it's one of those that we joke about it. And it's like, well, you can't possibly matter. It's Rex Burkhead. Come on. He was picked up the street, basically. But he played well, and I don't think that it can be ignored because they signed him to an extension. I think even during the season, they kind of saw him and they said, like, this is a guy that we want around here. And I think the other thing that people need to recognize is Nick Casario, the GM. He comes from that New England tree, and I think that they kind of look for um, traits based running backs and rotations. Pep Hamilton's offense, he likes the short passes to the running back. And so 
my concern is that you've got a lot of people out there that are aggressively pushing Damian Pierce up the board because there's everybody else in this backfield is a joke and it's got to be Damian Pierce that takes it over and he's going to be the guy that you can start week one and your rookies. And I, I think there are a lot of um, maybe things that people should be kind of they're They're kind of laughing off that people should probably be recognizing a little bit in terms of, you know, if this is a guy that's early down back and he doesn't have any real passing work and Rex Burke has the passing down back. And, and my other concern is, I, I'm just feeling very burnt about the Michael Carter stuff from last year uh, being so fresh right now. And I think we need to recognize too, we kind of forget about it because, um, well, the situation around it, but then the injury, James Robinson ran for a thousand yards as an undrafted free agent. And the Jaguars turned around and took Travis Etienne in the first round. And yeah, it was Urban Meyer running the team. And yeah, Etienne got hurt. So we kind of forgot about that situation. But this now seems two years in a row where we saw undrafted or day three running backs that we felt great about coming out of a rookie year and their teams turn around to use first round pick on a guy and mess up that situation or second round pick on a guy. I'm looking forward to the class of 2023 and there's a guy in Austin, Texas that I think the Texans are probably going to see a lot of this year. And we're going to be talking about a lot, even on dynasty Twitter this year and Bajan Robinson, there's Zach Evans, who was in TCU, who was right in their backyard previously. There are backs that are coming in. And, and so I just worry that, you know, if I'm able to get Damian Pierce as a late second in this draft, like I'm, I'm thrilled with that because we know that, talent kind of falls off there but if you're one of these people that are all in on Damian Pierce being the guy that uh, and you're kind of flirting with using him in your early second or even your first round pick um, those that seems crazy to me because it's just there are so many obstacles that I think people are ignoring to him really hitting year one and then long term there are still obstacles yeah, no, it's it's good to hear sort of like, you know, both sides of the story, I suppose, you know, like I, I certainly wouldn't advocate for using a first round pick on Damian Pierce. I did like him and I thought he was really misused in Florida. So I thought there was a lot of uh, meat on the bones there still to get. And one thing I do think that's in his favor is he's one of the better pass pro backs. So that could help him in that bid to stay on the field and stuff. So it'll definitely be interesting. I mean, but a lot of like, to your point, a lot of rookie running backs, unless they're first or second round running backs take a little bit of time to get into the the way of things you know and people don't have patience so i think if week two gets here and and rex burkhead is out snapping and people are going to panic and they're gonna be like oh no you know damien but it might be halfway through the season or near the end of the season that he has taken over the lead role or something like that i do think he's obviously the youngest you know, uh, most exciting prospect on that running back depth chart. So I do think he's worth, if you, you know, if you're in a league with, I don't want to say not casuals, but if you're in a league with a bunch of guys who haven't really been paying that much attention and they're kind of like, they've been taking the, the, the off season off and they're just coming back for the rookie drafts and they're not really paying attention and you can get Damian Pierce in the, you know, late second, third round, you know, then absolutely that is brilliant. And I think that's good value because I do think there will be at least some weeks where you can use him and plug him in as a flex option. So I think that, um, you know, considering, where you could be getting him, I think he's really worth taking. But again, yeah, if you're in a league with a bunch of guys who are hyping him and thinking he's the next best thing and wanting to take him in the first round, I wouldn't be, I would not be investing that sort of capital um, in him, especially when he's a fourth round running back, like you said, in a team that's clearly rebuilding. 
if if Mills ends up being the dude and they're happy with their quarterback situation and they've got, you know, Stingley's really hit the ground running and all that sort of stuff, then next year they might be like, hey, let's take a real stud running back in the second round or something, you know? So you got to think all, all that kind of stuff and take that into consideration. Another guy that is actually in a really similar situation that I think is really interesting is the guy that was drafted right behind him in Zamir White. So he comes in at round four, pick 122. So a few picks later to the Las Vegas Raiders, much to the chagrin of all um, the chagrin and disappointment of all the uh, all the truthers out here who were pounding the table for the the you know the renewed career that was going to be taking off um, for the former first round draft pick who did not get his fifth year option picked up and we shall not name names we shall <laughs> let it leave it to your imagination who I'm discussing here um, but what are your thoughts on Samir White I know a lot of people were really high on him pre draft so I feel comfortable in what role I know that he's drafted into. I think he's essentially drafted to be the Damian Harris in in, uh, Josh McDaniel's offense, bringing that over from New England. And so I think he's going to get early down work. He's going to get goal line work, those type of things. Um, I don't know. Part of me, I'm really curious what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs because part of me thinks like, why do they even have him on the roster? I mean, if you're not going to pick up that fifth year option and you, you just decide that you're moving on from him anyways, like trade him and get something for him. Um, but you know, the trade market might not be very robust at all, but I could see a lot of teams out there that like, you know, if you were to call up Houston and, and say, Hey, you will, will you give us a fourth round pick for Josh Jacobs? I mean, next year they, they might say sure. And then you might be stepping into an early third, third or early fourth round pick. So I don't know if, because if Jacobs is going to stay and he's going to be that early down back, then Zamir White, you're just not getting anything from him this year. And you're really in the the Damian Harris situation where we held him for a year or two years before we, we got much. He does seem to be the guy that's slipping out of this group from drafts that I've been in. And I think there's probably some guys behind him that are might be in a very similar role that are getting drafted comfortably ahead of him. Um, but I do... I know what role they want him in and he's the athlete that can pull it off. Assuming that he's recovered from, he's had those two ACL injuries. And so that's kind of zapped a little bit, but he tested very well. And this is one of those that I know what they want to do with them. They use pretty high draft capital on him. It's just, I don't know when we're going to get that. And I don't know if we're going to have to sit on on a year. And not only that we're going to get, he's not going to catch the ball. He never catched the ball in college and that offense is not going to use him to catch the ball. And so we know that, you know what you're stepping into. You're stepping into a guy that you can play that you can put on your bench. And, and once he takes over in a role, he can be your running back two weekly uh, or, but the upside is going to be very, very limited there. Yeah. I mean, I I like what you said there. My thought is, and I want to get your take on this is that I'm really worried that the Raiders backfield is going to become the Patriots backfield and it's going to be practically unusable or at least very gross for fantasy. Because if you look at their depth chart right now, like it's gross already. Like they've got Josh Jacobs. They've still got Kenyon Drake, who everyone's forgot about. Um, They've got Zamir White. They've got Brandon Bolden, who came over from the Patriots. I'm fairly positive. I can't remember who it is, but off the top of my head, but they picked up some guy as a UDFA as well and signed signed some dude as a UDFA even. So, I mean, they've literally got like six running backs on their roster at the moment as it stands. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I feel like we're all living in this land where it's like, Oh, you know, Zamir white's going to be like 50, 50 with Josh Jacobs. And then Josh Jacobs is going to leave next year. And Zamir white's going to be the dude. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's, what's going to happen. 
I fully expect it's going to be the Patriots backfield. I fully expect that. And that's where I think Samir White, like I said, he's drafted to be the Damian Harris. Now who's going to be the James White? And and so that's where my real question lands because they brought yeah, they brought in Abdullah, they brought in Brandon Bolden. My hope because we saw some growth in his game last year. My hope would be that they have Zamir White immediately be that early down back, and then they have Josh Jacobs be the passing down back, because I think that that's how you get the most value out of the backfield. Their personnel, I don't think, really lines up with that, because they added the passing backs before they were in the draft. And so that tells me that the additions that they made, Brandon Bolden, but he could just be special teams, and and that could be a false flag, because... That could be the the type of thing where McDaniel's knows him as the a player who can contribute on special teams, who's a good locker room guy, who's going to help him instill culture, and he might not matter in the offense at all. Amir Abdullah, I I feel comfortable what his role would be, and Kenyon Drake likely. I feel they didn't cut him; they could have saved some money and they could have cut him, especially after the adding the other guys. And that's a couple months ago. That's the move that I expected them to do was cut him, get out of that contract, and then bring in some more guys that they feel comfortable with. So that would lead me to believe that Josh Jacobs is going to be the early down back, that we're not going to get the passing work out of him that we saw last year, that the values kind of been zapped there. Samir White is essentially his handcuff and the guy in waiting to take over that role. And then probably next year they will look at adding the passing back. But I do hope that they it's more exciting and it's more intriguing than instead of these guys that nobody cares about Brandon Bolden, that if they use Josh Jacobs in that role and maybe give him a little bit early down to work too, but then use the white as your hammer. That's what I'd really like to see the offense do. Yeah. It's uh Oh man. It, it's terrifying. Like it really is. Like I was looking in there and I'm pretty sure Brandon Bolden had almost 50 targets last year for the Patriots. So, would, Oh my gosh. It would just suck so much. If like Zamir white gets first and second down and then they rotate Josh Jacobs and Brandon Bolden and then Kenyon Drake occasionally as a, as a red, red, you know, red zone. I don't know. It's, it's, it could be a mess. So I would just say manage expectations there um, personally, but would you take, so real quickly, would you take him over any of the running backs we've talked about? so far in a rookie draft over any we talked about so far no no um i don't know i think his role is probably pretty similar as brian robinson and i I mean i wouldn't just because i think there's ways that i don't know i think to him brian robinson and Tyrion davis price are all kind of the same same guy essentially they all kind of do the same thing they're all I have questions about them having real pass catching roles. I see them all as early down as goal line guys. Um, Even if Davis price carves out, even if he's getting one game and Mitchell's getting one game. And even if there's some level of predictability to that, that offense is not used the running back in the passing game very much at all. And with Trey Lance being the quarterback, I wouldn't expect that to change very much because we know historically with rushing quarterbacks, they're not going to use the running back much, but I've got him right there. And it's really six, one half dozen, the other. Um, I, I think that there's a name coming up that people are super high on that. I think Samir white is probably in a much better situation than, and had much higher draft capital on, um, but we'll get to that conversation. But I think that Ooh, teaser, you know, I, I like I, it. I'd slot him kind of like where he's landing with those guys. And it's yeah. really, I don't know. I like to operate in tiers. And if you're able mm. to 
um, slide back and get whichever one the last one on the board is. Like I, I kind of feel like that if you're going to do these. And it, it is kind of mindset too because um, your intro kind of struck me because I know that you're a running back guy and I am a zero running back guy. And so like you look at these guys as like, well, he's never going to be the major running back. I don't even want him on my team. And I look at him as like, well, I'm going to have all these stud wide receivers. And if I can get a guy that I know is going to touch the ball, like that's gold for me. Like give me, you know, make sure I'm going to get those six to eight points plus occasional touchdowns. And like, I'm just going to move the ball down, down the court a little bit. Well, that's funny. Really. It's really funny that you say that because I do need to, um, I do need to make a confession. Um, I've done two, maybe I'm in the, I'm in my third startup of the, I had a couple of leagues fold, um, this year and I allowed myself to start into a couple of others. And, um, Funny that you should say that because I've actually basically gone zero RB in all three of my startups. So I again like our like like in my intro music, but like we've like in this conversation that we've talked about, honestly, like it genuinely that is one of my football and dynasty, especially is stay water. You know, it's the idea that like you have to change with the times, you have to try different things, you have to be fluid and try different things. And and honestly, like um, you know, I've listened to yourself, I've listened to Colin Kelly, I've listened to quite a few different people that I respect and you know trust and listen to their arguments and their their you know explanations of different draft strategies and approaches and just watching it play out across my rosters and things like that. And honestly, like I really have come around quite a lot on the <laughs> the zero RB approach. I mean, I'll give you an example, right? So I'm in a startup right now and um, I am literally in the 10th round and I have not taken a running back yet. So my roster as it stands is a super flex tight end premium. We can start two running backs, three wide receivers, three flex um, and a super flex. So my roster as it stands, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Waddell, Drake London, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Devonta Smith, Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Hurts and Kenny Pickett. Yeah. And so you've got so much youth in that receiver room there and, and you're set up so well. And it's it's one of those that um, the value, especially in running young running backs, but the value in startups, it's just very hard for me to like, I'm going to ignore this 24 year old wide receiver to take Derrick Henry. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, and it's but that's that's kind of where they get drafted. And yeah. so, you know, no, it's really and, funny because <laughs> right but, before but we started recording. It's it's different though too when you get in your rookie draft though because like if you if you've built that layer in your startup and you've got your own young wide receivers and your young quarterback you know you might see a Kenneth Walker go fifth or sixth in your draft whereas like the wide receivers kind of right there but it's like it, it's just that you know two picks in a rookie draft might be twenty picks in a startup but like the value and moving within those values and and having that base and then all of a sudden okay well now I can add Kenneth Walker in because I've got seven wide receivers that I absolutely love and my two quarterback spots are filled and I've got Kyle Pitts as my tight end like I'm I'm set like let's start layering some running backs in but yeah build and building that deep bench too because injuries do happen and and we're in committee situations and you're really just kind of looking for a guy that you can play each week absolutely yeah no it's and so like you know obviously tip of the cap to you sir um and your kind your fellow zero rb truthers you've converted me um i mean i always am going to love running backs i have a soft spot in my heart for running backs but i just don't imagine i'll have a lot of them on my teams um in the moving forward just because of you know the way i play a lot of super flex um a lot of tight end premium and a lot of the player and a lot of the leagues that i play in you can roster you know so like the way i've looked at it these last couple drafts is well i can start 
six wide receivers. I only have to start two running backs. And running backs get injured so much, and they have such a short life. Like we just talked about two, three years ago, man, you would have been getting multiple first-round picks to get Todd Gurley off of somebody. You know what I mean? And now it's like, he literally doesn't have a job. He's he's out of the league pretty much. So, yeah, I mean, 100%. I was joking right before we came on the show with somebody, a buddy of mine, and I was like, so who would you feel more comfortable with as your running back one? CEH, Miles Sanders, or Kareem Hunt? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm like sitting here like, oh, these are great options because I haven't taken a running back and I'm like 10, 11 rounds into a draft. Whereas most people are going to be like, ew, gross. Why would yeah. I want CEH or, or Sanders as my RB1? Whereas I'm thinking dude, I've got three quarterbacks, seven receivers, and and this is my RB1. That feels great. I love that. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, it is. I, it I feel is like our, our brains get broken a little bit because I know like like as a Debbie guy, it's like, or like playing Dynasty. I feel like when you play Dynasty, like you're, you're adjusted to so much deeper rosters. And so like you're adjusted to like looking at the value deeper. So like when you get into a redraft league where you, know, you got five bench spots, you're like, oh my God, there's 50 guys that I'd love to have on my roster. This is great. Oh, yes. Whereas like if somebody it's that doesn't play Dynasty, they're thinking like, I don't even know who to put as my last guy. Like, what do I do? And I feel like it's like the the same thing in Devi, where like I I know this rookie class so well that like when I get done with a rookie draft, I think like oh my god, there's five guys on that didn't get drafted that I want to put on my bench and yes. add my rosters and like yeah, I'm looking at like, like I know I'm looking at the UDFA list. I'm looking at the UDFA list like drooling and like yes. and like, yes. and, like, like redraft guys. process after the draft because I feel yeah. like I just got four extra fourth round picks that are redraft probably not going to matter. Like, yeah, redraft people are like, who's Rashad White? And I'm sitting yes. here like drooling over like, you know, Kennedy Brooks has gone to yes. the Eagles. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it, but it's the same thing. Like when you get when you live the, the zero RB life, you're like, oh, oh, Miles Sanders. Like, whereas like, if you're like a robust <laughs> running back drafter guy, you're like, gross. Who's going to roster that guy? And like we're, yeah. we're sitting here with all our wide receivers and our elite quarterbacks and thinking like, ooh, Miles Sanders, that looks so exciting. It is. It is different strokes for different folks, but that was a, a tangent. So I just wanted to give you your juice and give you a shout out for helping convince me and, uh, you know, helping to uh, enlighten me on the zero RB path. So I'm not fully subscribed, but I am on my way. I have my 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 red belt. I'm on my way to my being my black belt. My sensei, uh, Jeff here, will, will keep me right on the path. Um, but we're going to talk about a future, my future RB1, Isaiah Spiller. <laughs> Because of the lifestyle that I have chosen, um, we're going to be talking about <laughs> Isaiah Spiller, who was actually my pre-draft RB3, ended up falling all the way down to the fourth round, but landed in a very interesting spot, pick 123 with the Chargers. Now, I'll let Jeff kind of break it down a little bit as the guest, but i really interested in this landing spot, and I'm really interested in it for fantasy, and again... I feel like there's been some mental gymnastics from people who love Austin Eckler and they don't want to see anybody touch Austin Eckler or his value. But the truth is, I think this does impact Austin Eckler. I don't in any way, shape or form. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying Austin Eckler becomes irrelevant or he's no good anymore. But I think they're, you know, Isaiah Spiller is a good running back. And obviously there's some stuff there. There's some reasons why he may have dropped to the fourth round. But I do think he brings something to the offense and it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. But Jeff, what are your what's your takeaway with Isaiah Spiller and especially with that landing spot there in in, um, in San Diego or L.A. San Diego? Duh. I do the same thing. I, I and I can't. Yeah, I can't get past it. There. I'm so proud of myself for being able to say Commanders on cue now, but I still say San Diego for the Chargers. Yeah, it's uh, they've even after Melvin Gordon left, 
like after Melvin Gordon left, they've been trying to fill this role. Like in the draft, you know, they drafted Joshua Kelly in the fourth round. Then they took Larry Roundtree in last year in the sixth round. And now they take Isaiah Spiller here in the fourth round. And they want a split backfield. They want an early down back. They want a power back that can do those things. They don't want to put Austin Eckler in the situations. I think the last two years, he's kind of been forced into those because the other running backs have kind of failed. And, and Joshua Kelly was, he had like one, we were all hot on him for like a moment. And then he, fizzled out very quickly Larry Roundtree we just never got there on him like he, he just he's Larry Roundtree and and bless him but um he's just not going to be that guy so they come back to the well here three years in a row trying to replace that Melvin Gordon role and Spiller I, I don't know there's it goes two ways because I think that there are the Austin Eckler people that are they don't want anybody threatening their guy and they are just completely out on that. And then there are the people that had Isaiah Spiller pre-draft and thought that he was in the same tier as Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall. And they're still like pushing him towards the early second round. Like, like they always have been. And I don't know, you gotta, you gotta recognize what the league said about him and, and letting him slide this far. Now there's certainly, that should be a high powered offense, He's skilled in the passing game, and I think that that's one of those things that if you were to look at the numbers, his numbers didn't end up great, but then if you were to watch him, and especially the game that I always say to go back to is against Colorado, he had uh, there was a drive at the very end of the game then absolutely nothing was happening in the offense, and they went to him down the field on a wheel route one play. on a They lined him up outside on one play and converted a big third down, throwing the ball to him. And so this is that's one of those that if you're not – if you're just looking at the the sheet, you, you might say, oh, well, he's not a receiver. But then if you watch those, you see that in the moment. And as somebody that watches a ton of college football, you're able to catch those in the moment. And and I think that there's, it, it's one of those, I, I don't know. I just think there's so much value in prospecting to be into the college game because um, there's so many, so much momentum moving with the college game. And, and it's one thing to go back and watch on tape and see it. But like when you're in that moment on that Saturday and you're watching that game and you're realizing like this is Texas A&M's entire season and they're going to go to this guy in the passing game, like that says a little bit more. You realize how big the moment is when you catch it in the moment versus like kind of just kind of watching the tape back later, I think. Um, but I think that that's one of those things that we've seen him have that ability question is is he going to be just another joshua kelly another larry roundtree where he's just not explosive enough to make it matter and he's just kind of a plotter and that's going to be the real question on isaiah spiller yes and you know what's so funny i actually as you were talking i had this like revelation this this moment this serendipitous moment where i'm such an idiot and i couldn't i couldn't even remember this but this is isaiah spiller is one of the first guys i did a whole like from Mar- all of March into April, um, we did this building the big board series. So it was like two prospects a day, five days a week, like just constantly churning out like breakdowns of like prospects, what we like about them, where we would draft them, things like that. Isaiah Spiller was one of the first guys that we talked about, and I talked about him with Garrett Price, and it was so. F- I just realized, you know, who my comp for him was when I was talking about him? Who? Austin Eckler. There you go. <laughs> How ridiculous is that? And I said to him, I was like, it's not that like they're the same height or anything like that. I was like, it's just there's something about them where for me, when I was watching Isaiah Spiller, the way I explained it was I was like, I don't feel like he's the most talented running back ever, but I feel like he's a playmaker. He's a baller. He's a gamer. He's a dude. He's not like 
he's not a Rashad White like running routes pass catcher, but he can catch passes. He can make things happen. He's like, just get the guy the ball and things will happen. And I feel like that about Austin Eckler. It's like, I don't feel like Austin Eckler is the most talented running back in the league or the most, you know, heavy pounder between the tackles, whatever. But he's like such a baller and he's such a gamer and he plays so hard. And it's like, just get him the ball, things happen. And so it's hilarious to me that they ended up like drafting the guy who I literally comped to Austin Eckler for like what could be a really exciting one two punch. Uh, it's a high powered offense. There's a lot to like. I mean, you know, I, I would be I would be very surprised if he doesn't find a role. I do think, yeah, there's reasons. Obviously, he dropped down the draft board. Some of that we, we may not know about, but he is very talented. Like you see it on on the production, what he had for Texas A&M. You see it on the tape. So I I think he's a value if you can get him like sort of in those like if you can get him in like the late second third round. I think that's a real value, especially if you do have Eckler. Then that's a real good, a really good um a really good handcuff for you to have because it could be a situation you could end up like with a poor man's like. Brown's situation where you can start both of them on some games you know what I mean if the, the, depending on how the usage ends up working out there you go folks we are going to cut it there just to try and keep this manageable for you so it's not too big of a listen um, and then we still have obviously a bit more to talk about we'll drop that on Friday it'll probably be a little bit longer of an episode because we still have quite a few guys to get through but yeah hopefully you're enjoying that and hopefully you're enjoying the delightful eloquent tones of jeff bell give him a follow on twitter if you don't already check out the debbie royale and don't forget to join us again for the final part of the running back recap tomorrow i drive zero rb in dynasty pass up a young receiver nah i couldn't be me my fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate